Welcome to the Opera Biz Podcast, uncut and unfiltered, where we hang out with opera professionals and talk about life inside the industry. I'm your host, Daniel Welch. And now part two with Christy Swan. So tell me about <laughs> your covering Denise Graves right now in Marnie. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's, let's talk about covering her first off. Chances are she might. I don't know if she would be She's very important to my career. I absolutely love Denise. And I have like two of her CDs. I grew up listening to her and understand like, oh, this is, this is a new kind of opera singer. Like she's, you know, this is no games being played. You know, I, I watch her do Carmen. I watch her do Sans Sans de La. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with Denise Graves. She's beautiful, all this kind of stuff. So this is my first time meeting her. We kept, I kept, I did, uh, she did Margaret Garner. Margaret Garner is written for her, if I'm not mistaken. It's for her. That's catered. That's her role. And she's the reason why we have it. And of course, the wonderful Dr. Daniel Poor. And I worked with him. I worked on that role. And I covered uh, Tracy Luck, who covered her. So I would, I would always be like three degrees from Denise Graves. So the other day, we start our rehearsal in Marnie. And I was like, you know what? And my dad knows I'm obsessed with Denise Graves. <laughs> Not in a pervy way, but I just absolutely love her. And I'm like, I'm never going to meet her. And everybody's passing away before I get to meet them. She's not that old, but um, <laughs> I got to meet Barrett. But, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can meet Price. I've never, you know, there's some people I'm like, I'm not taking it off. I know Marilyn Horn. I'm like, I got her. Trianos was gone before I was here, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to get him. I got Olga, and I'm Facebook friends with her, and I know Laura. So I'm like, you know, mental love all over the place, you know. So I'm like, yes. So when we saw, I saw her, I went down to her, and I waited till she finished talking to someone else, and I gave her the most uncomfortably long hug I could ever. Like, I pretty much, I hugged her like I was hugging my baby sister. Like, my baby sister Rachel is tiny, and I, I almost pick her up. So I think I almost picked up Miss Graves. Can we talk about it? And so I give her a hug, and I'm like, I couldn't expect, and I just gave her, it's just like, oh! <laughs> like, Caught her a little oh. by surprise. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, but I, I just absolutely love, she's like, well, who are you? I was like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just like, a crazy person wandering the halls. I said, my name is Chrissy, but I'm a fan. That's not important. I'm a fan. Like, that's an understatement. Like, I call my dad right after, I'm like, dude. I just squoze Denise Graves. I gave her like this, like, like my, I gave her, I hugged her like I hugged my grandma. Like, you know, don't ever leave, you know. So she's like, oh. <laughs> so that's my introduction to Miss Graves, but she doesn't know. She just lit my life up. I have every article. I have every cover. I've seen her do Sanson de Lila at the Met. I used to spend my little coins. I didn't have any money. And. She, you know, we get the stars in Detroit. It's a big, you know, it's awesome. We have the, the Michigan Opera Theater. And they brought her down to do a recital at the Opera House. And I spent my last dime to get a front row seat so I can see the mechanism, see, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. see, her, see the technique or what her, what her body's actually doing while she gets the sound out. And, and I did this with Jesse Norman, too. For some reason, I just cried the whole freaking time. Like... <laughs> So I was like, she's not gonna remember me because my face was down like this. Have so like, I can't believe I'm watching her scene. So when I saw her in Liz Hobbs, I was like, you know, I'm a, 
you know, New York has trained me up. I'm a professional. I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know what to do. You know, I know how to put it on like, yeah, oh, right, right, right. I belong here. But I just, it just left <laughs> when I, when I was, it was okay until I walked down the stairs and no one got to her. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, so so that's, that's that. You so got a little fangirl. She probably got like a, you know, some security watching out for me or whatever. But I, I, I absolutely They've got her. your picture on a folded up piece of paper. That's, you know, but that's a, when you can meet and they're like, I don't want to, like she's like, like her persona is very grand. She's mm-hmm. very, but she, when you meet these people and they're human beings and they're nice and they're, it's just such it's just such a refreshing thing. And actually, it's not refreshing. Most of the people that I have the pleasure of meeting that I look up to, like I, I get to make jokes with Eric Owens or I said, Deborah Boyd helped me with my boyfriend situation. And, and, and I can joke with, you know, uh, I, got to co- I got to be in Die Valkyrie and Bryn Turkle's our dad, you know, and he's funny as hell. I mean, these people are awesome. Uh, Larry Brown, all these people are just really nice people they're normal they're cool and um pretty down to earth and uh so it was it was a pleasure getting to do that i, I still i'm still i've gotten to meet jesse norman thank god <laughs> i didn't give her an uncomfortable hug because I, i'm sure she would have just like knocked me out or something but i just i love these people they don't understand what it's like to grow up in the midwest um to be african-american and to be to want to to be on these stages, mm-hmm. to want to sing this fantastic music, the arts, everything. You want to, you want to be a part of this, you know. I, I still have a long list. I have to meet Janet Baker. I have to. I've met Marilyn Horn. Thank God. Um, I missed out on Regine Crispin. I got all these people. I, I'm like my my magic list, and I'm just like, you don't know what you've done for me in a place where it's like, you know, don't know if you're gonna, you know. You don't know if you're going to be an opera singer. If you're in Michigan, it's like, that's not practical. If I stayed in Michigan and didn't come to New York, you know, yeah. that, who knows? You know, this brings up a, a, a sensitive topic, and we, we discussed a little bit earlier, but, you know, we look at the ratio of people of color in opera similar to that of Hollywood, you know. Yeah. What, how has it affected you in your career, um, being a woman of color, trying to work in these big houses and, and sing in an art form that is, I mean, whoppingly white. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, I think it's a, an interesting time. I think um, I, so I, I, my, my story is not just as trying to be an opera singer, it's, it's my identity. Mm-hmm. And I have colleagues that are awesome and very plastic in their presentation and they they know how to handle themselves and they know how to talk to young singers and for me my my thing that I try to put past people as being an African-American singer being from Detroit being a woman and and having my story is the importance of me having my own personal identity that's as a as a black singer or as a professional African-American professional in general um, have you heard of this this thing we call code switching Hmm. Um, this is something that's unique to people of color when they're in areas where there's not a lot of them. So there might be a way you talk at home, and there's a way you talk amongst friends, and there's a way you talk around when you get south. Uh-huh, and you'll uh-huh, hear me go uh-huh. in and out of it. You know what I'm saying? I do like a hodgepodge. So I didn't know the term for it, but very it's familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so you have to get very comfortable in doing that. Well, for me, I mean, I 
not only do I want I, I want to be an opera singer, but if if I had the voice, I would have sang. I would have gone into metal. You know what I mean? I love heavy metal. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I went to a school before we moved to Oak Park, which is a suburb in Detroit, where you know there's a certain way that you act. You know what I mean? And I wasn't that one. I was definitely nerdy. I wanted to be an elf when I was growing up. I mean, I was a weirdo, you know. It's my mom's fault, you know. I, I collect comic books. <laughs> it's my mom's fault. You know, and she tried to clean it up, you know, because she's, you know, she was, she's a lot cooler, more structured, and a perfectionist. But for me, I just, I just wanted to see in color. And it was so important for me to hold on to my own personal identity. Mm. So it's not just being in a predominantly white environment. It was also being in, in, in a predominantly African-American environment where you have to struggle to, to maintain your identity. There's something wonderful about how my culture is rich, just even my family. It's, I don't shed those, but I do want the right to be Christy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So luckily I have my mom, she served in Desert Storm. She, she's one of these women that joined the military when she was 19. She kept trying to join it uh, before she was the right age. She's one of these folks. Uh -huh. She was doing uh -huh. it so she could get the hell out of Island Park, you know. <laughs> she wanted to go out. And she's traveled all over. And the thing that I'm, I'm so lucky and with my awesome dad is they never said, I have to act a certain way. I have to be the, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I have to be, I have to kick, I have to work hard. I can't half-ass my job. Mm. And my dad always taught me, and he still says that the bar is always raised. So once you hit this level, you have to raise, I'm not saying I follow that, you know, <laughs> but, but that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That is the important thing, but not who I, who I love, what I look like, what I choose to do. My parents weren't for me going into opera because they didn't know it was practical financially. Right. They just yeah. wanted me to survive like most parents do. Right. So that was it. But other than that, they didn't say I had to act a certain way and be a certain way. And so when I, when I come here, I'm kind of conflicted because I just, I want to celebrate who I am, and I'm definitely proud of who I am, but I also don't want someone to just, I, I, I get really tired of people just seeing me as what my color is. Mm -hmm. It's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's, I, I'm a chocolatey, crispy swan, you know, this is me, but, but it's so much more than that. And I would love to be able to be a performer or an actor that can just, just be, just bring what I, who I am and not have to worry about just what I look like. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that that's not practical. And, and again, that's not me saying I'm trying to get away from it. But I think one of the things that's um, unique about being an African-American opera singer is we have to kind of play, the, you know, we have to be very good, good with getting that balance together. And, and I would just like to not have to do that, you know. I would like to not have to do that. I would like to just be like, I'm a mess of brown. That's where I come from. And what I tell young singers is like, don't, do not be proud of who you are. That's not, I'm not telling you to go away from that. Celebrate who you are. But understand that it's even more than that. Don't conform to anybody else's standard. And I mean that from the bottom. I don't give a shit what they look like, what they say. I've said this before. You need to do yourself. Do you. You need to love and appreciate your damn self. Please do not think you have to act a certain way. The grand singer, the great singers that I love, they are not grand. 
They do not act grand. And the people that are performing and making money and have several houses are people that have been at it for 30 and 40 years. That's another thing with the competition circuit. You do not have to look this way. You don't have to be that way. My friends will tell you I am correct. I've seen the people that shot high because they look this way or they're skinny or they're this or they're fair and that. I've seen people that I'm like, that person's gonna be a star and nothing happens, you know. Try to focus on who you are. It, being African-American, focus on who you are. I am a nerd, okay? And that is where I dwell. I am a cinephile. I will watch any fucking thing on the TV, okay? I got these friends that are like, we don't have a TV. I can't identify with them. My life is television, okay? <laughs> My life is the movies, okay? I'm not going to, to cut that out to fit into some kind of proper identity. You see the shoes I'm wearing right now? These are not cute, okay? <laughs> these are my hobby feet. I'm wearing Vibram five-finger shoes with a cute little, you know, dress, okay? And some pearls, you know, to act like I have some scents at the top, and it's all party at the bottom. That's who I am, you know what I mean? I can't go in with high heel shoes and, you know, and my head this way and all this kind of shit, no. And I know I'm, I'm fantastically black, and my family's from Alabama, and I'm from Detroit, and that's great, but that's not all I am. Yeah. I'm Christy, yeah. you know what I mean? And I happen to sing, I'm a, a mezzo, and I, you know, I, and I happen to sing opera. That's what I would like, that identity. And I want people to fight for their, fight to be who they are. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in LGBT community, if you're, do not, I've had some of my friends, um, specifically some of my, my gay friends, my male friends, that can't be who they are if they're trying to get casted. They've been told by casting people that if you're too effeminate or if you're too this, then you don't have, then if we see you that way, mm. we won't cast you a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even though a lot of them that are telling me this are actors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nine times <laughs> they got to put on a freaking wig. They're gonna act and do something else. If they're doing their job well, just be who the hell you are. Yeah. Don't apologize for it. Just be who you are. Um, the way I am is not the same way as someone else is, and I don't want to be put in that category. Yeah. Be yeah, generalized yeah. to put in some kind of category. That's. I don't know if that touches on what you were asking, but that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get that across. You know. Yeah. That's. It's. I'm Christy first. Okay, so we got to talk about the nerd thing. Oh yeah. Let's get to it. So. When did you start with the D and D? Okay, so what happened was. <laughs> So, and so, you know, you grew up in Detroit and all the kids cool, the music's great, clothes great. And that's, you know, that wasn't me. Um, my mom got me hooked on Lord and the Rings in middle, in, in, in middle school. Hey Amen. My dad did that. My, my, my dad read me The Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. And I got hooked. Yeah. My yeah. dad, you know, my dad had other ideas. He had me reading all the Laura Ingle Wilder. So now, I, now I'm going to call him back. I'm going to call him about that shit. Because I'm like, you know, that's some feminine, that's some sexy shit. And he was trying to, I'm going to call him about that. Be like, why would you have me read Little, you know, Little House in Big Woods and all that? Why hey, listen, my brother loved those books. No, I love them too. But I, but I love the books because I love the show. And I love the show because I had a crush on Michael Landon. But we ain't going to talk about that no. right now. What we going to talk It was the about, hair, wasn't it? It was okay. the hair. He was just and perfect okay so in any way I'm you know I digress and that's what I do but um, my mom got me into Lord of the Rings and at that point I just knew I was supposed to be an elf in real life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And I had some friends, you know, I had a couple of nerdy friends in middle school and they were playing it. Now they playing old school. They're not playing none of this with the kids are playing these fifth editions and all this business. <laughs> you know, this new shit, you know. But um, we were playing old stuff and, and I, um, you know, you know, when you get a certain, you know, age, you're supposed to stop playing. A couple people, you know, straggled on. When I moved to New York, you know, that's, you know, they were, they're grownups that play it. So what happened was, I got a crush on this actor who went to Columbia. I ain't going to talk about him right now, but he was cute. But he was one of my very good friends, and he played D&D. That's how I got back into D&D for boys. That's how I got in Game of Thrones. <laughs> the fact that you got back into D&D for boys. For boys. I, has anybody ever said that sentence before? Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure that's the first time Mm-mm. those words have ever been uttered. <laughs> I, I'm an insult to every feminist here, but I'm telling you. So he was hot, and... Um, and, and this was something I was doing anyway. But, but then I got, I, st- I stuck with it. And I haven't played it for a couple of years. So that's why I'm really pissed about this new edition coming out. Um, but what was awesome is that we had our dungeon master is a, is a lawyer. We had, a, you know, people that were accountants. We had a guy who was doing his residency program. You know, he's, you know, he's a doctor. We have all these awesome professional people in New York. And we're all playing Dungeons and Dragons and shit. And, you know, we got druids and shit, and they're serious about it. You know, it took me a minute to get real serious. I'm like, it's not that damn serious, but we will talk about my class. My name is Galadria Christ. <laughs> and because I can, I am duplicitous by nature, I am dual class, dual class, uh-huh, and uh-huh. dual race. So I am half elf, half human, half sorcerer, half fighter, you know, and, and, and that's just what it is. So I Alignment. got into it. Good. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes have like a healer type of whatever, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I'm usually my alignment's usually good. But um, but I originally got in it because a cute boy got me into it, and then New York got me into it. Mm-hmm. I I love being here because I can do whatever I want to do. I can celebrate my nerd. If I wanted to walk around with elf ears, I could do that. Totally normal. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. In Michigan, we only do it when The Hobbit comes out or when Lord of the Rings comes right. out. Everybody make their own role and they walk around with In New York, ears. that's just a Thursday. New York, that's a Thursday and nobody give a shit, you know. And then I go to Comic-Con here. I don't have to ask no questions. I don't have to, you know, explain myself, you know. Why is this grown woman in a comic book store? <laughs> I don't have to worry about that shit. They're like, Whatever, you know, because it takes all kinds. So I did a little bit of role playing, you know. Uh, did you Did you get into comics much? I I collect. My mom collected comics, so everything goes back to my mom. My mom's kind of. Your awesome. mom collected comics. She collected like the Tales from the Crypt shit. Yeah. And she also it, it overlaps a little bit with the Stephen King books. So she read all the Stephen King books. So my special my thing is sci-fi, supernatural, mm-hmm. and fantasy books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I, I dwell. But comic books, she's also DC, and then she also did like the Tales from the Crypt, though, or Tales, um, you know, the the horror comics yeah. and the creep show comics and things like that. She collect. There was like there were like crates of those in the house, and I went through all of those, and I found out that I am a Marvel girl and I am obsessed with X Men because Storm is my favorite character in the world and an X is Wolverine, and they're awesome. They are like ahead of their time. So my mom was very awesome with her. Not awesome, I'm sorry, that's a therapy session. But there was an awesome thing of discipline. At times, my mom was, like, inconvenienced. Mm. So I have a comic book that is one of these collectors, number three, I think it's number 300 X-Men 
got a reflective cover, so I got in trouble because I kept getting a D in, in geometry, but what, that wasn't my fault. Math and I didn't get along. So what happened was, she took my collector's comic book and burned the edge. Oh, no. Okay. That That's hurts me just a little bit. I know, it's a little John Crawford-ish, but I'm just giving you an idea on <laughs> discipline, you know. That's why, because my, my mom knew the value of it. My mom has the, and my dad still has the the Superman when he got killed by Doomsday. Mm, they have that. Mm. As soon as that came out, she went and bought it, Randy. So all my nerd geekdom comes from her. My obsession with sci-fi and comics and stuff. So I still collect comic books. I get a little frustrated when I go with the kids. And I'm like, why don't, you know, I lose count of where I am. Who's this character? What the? And I have to go buy a whole bunch of, you know, whatever. But anyway, I still And they drag the storyline over to a different comic. Yeah, and and I, I was like, who is this? What the fuck is this? Uncanny. What? So, um, and have you seen my Facebook picture? Oh, your I Facebook banner? <laughs> <laughs> so, the man that I am marrying understood what the priority should be. So, he bought me all the collector's X-Men comics. Nice. So, I can just carry... All from the 60s onward, yes. And that is why I'm marrying him, actually. That's it's not a bad reason. No. Well, we're going to Comic-Con this year, too, but we are not dressing up. I want to make a note of that. No? Why not? Because I, you got to... You, you mean because you dress up for a living? One, <laughs> thank you for doing that. But you got to, you know, these girls are out here. You got to be thin in a waist and cute in a face. And doing all these things. And I just, I'm not pushing a plate away for a costume. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> You know, because of course I'd have to be like a storm, and because he's Russian, he'd have to be colossal, so we'd work it out. But she's fit and trim, and I'm just not going to do it. And he's not going to throw on 180 pounds of muscle? We well, he does have, he's in, you know, I, I mentioned he's younger than me, there is a reason. So, yes, he has a little <laughs> bit more muscle than I, but I don't have that dedication. You know, I'm an opera singer, not a model. <laughs> totally not applicable now, kids. You have to be in shape now. You gotta want to work out and shit and push play away. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your what's your number? What's your favorite comic that you own? Um, so is I there is there like one there. you would run back into the apartment during a fire to get? Oh, that's a great question. I have something that some people know know about, and some people don't. Okay, so this is. This, have you ever heard of X babies? Uh uh-uh. uh. In a mojo world. Okay. All of the X Men are baby are kids. Okay. Like that what age? What age are we before. talking? They're like six and seven year olds. All right. With their powers. Yeah. Somehow they were transported to mojo world. So you got, you know. Anyway, that's the comic book. I forgot the number of it, but it's it's beautiful. No one knows what I'm talking about. I was like, have you seen X babies? That's my favorite thing in the world. And then, as far as graphic novel, I do love Watchmen. Yes. Because you have to have that. And then I collect, I'm, I'm on to Saga now. I just got these new comic books with Sleep, Sleepless or something, some Cinderella kind of stuff. I don't know. But I just got that to see. And I also collect horror com. I'm getting back to collecting horror comics. So now, there was this awesome show called Penny Dreadful. Mm-hmm. So... They really great concept book. for a show. Fantastic. Really great concept and for a show. And visually stunning. Yeah. Like, cin- like cinematically stunning to look at. You yeah. Have to watch it. Uh, but they have comic books now, so I'm I'm staying on on top of those as well. And then I'm trying to go into the old school stuff. But X Men number one. But my favorite comic for some reason is X Babies because they're just so cute. Oh, cute! You guys are cute. <laughs> and they all have their powers, but they're tiny. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. That's like the best one. That's the kooky one. 
So what's going on for you next after, uh, after Marnie's Marnie. done with that run? Uh, Where are you at next? Got a couple of handle massages because we've got to pay our bills. That's what December's for. Yeah, I've got some handle massages and then I go back to Chicago Lyric mm -hmm. and I get to do a lecture for the first time. And I get to be third main nature. I love Chicago so much. And so I, I get to go You spend a fair that. amount of time singing at the Lyric Avenue. Well, no, just well in the last year, they were just, they're just lovely. And, and I owe so much to, you know, Corey Lippiello. She's, she's, you know, kept an eye out. She saw me here at, at City Opera when City Opera was still like in the state theater. Mm -hmm. And City Opera, I didn't get into a young arts program, but City Opera is like my young artist program because they kept hiring me, you know, while I was at school and, and I was school and I'd get my butt kicked by this fantastic coach, John Beasley, I think I'm saying. And um, they were kind of like, this is how you, you know, this is how you, you do it. And it kind of kicked my butt and got me trained up. So I, I she, she heard me there and, um, you know, she just kind of kept me in mind. So I owe her for, for getting to Chicago Lyric. And I just, uh, I love the hall and I'm just happy that I'm going to go back there. And I come back and do the rain cycle here, which is awesome and scary at the same time. Well, it's that machine is so <laughs> cool. I'm really looking forward to that this year. The best part, though, is that you get to wear gym shoes. Oh, I'm not going to tell, but no, by all means, tell. Wonderful tell. boots with your gym shoes. <laughs> That's the way it should be done. As Comfortable. You should sing. Utilitarian. Wonderful thing. But that that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Be on good behavior. Try to be on good behavior. And I'm just, you know, just, you know, living, living the dream. I've got my clothes up, living the dream. Uh, so we, you already answered voluntarily one of the questions I usually oh. ask singers, which is the, what would you do? You know, would you go back in time and tell your undergrad self? Yeah. Um, one of the other questions I always ask singers. There's two, so you're gonna, you're gonna both of these. The first one, um, if if voice part wasn't an issue, if you could sing any role in opera, what would it be? Zalame, and my favorite role in the world is Eboli from Don Carlo, which I do sing, but Zalame. That's crazy. Her music's amazing. The last, the last part, it's just, it's insane. I am no way in any shape or form anywhere related into that vocal type, but she's, that's an amazing role to, to dig to sink your teeth in. But Eboli is probably my favorite. I took fencing for Eboli. I took up fencing. I don't like to work out and I don't like athletics, but I took up fencing. Just in case I had some casting people say, you know what, in this one, Eboli's going to fight Rodrigo. <laughs> and I'm going to be ready. I'm going to paddock it to Hottity and pull my sword out and knock shit out of my. You know, I'm ready for that. But that's my, that's my favorite role. Oh, and it's not even just her part and Don Carlo. It's the trio with Rodrigo. Yeah. Oh, and it's just yeah. so fast. It's the best piece of music. If I could sing that, I'd be happy to die right after. <laughs> oh, let me sing it on a stage with a beautifully resonant house, well attended, and let me sing the shit out of it with a fantastic Rodrigo. Come on with it. And a fantastic. Oh. <laughs> then I can die. No. So, question number two would be. What uh, what do you think? What do you think are modern challenges for an opera singer that weren't issues 
in the 70s and 80s. You know, that's the, that's the era that we go back to yeah. as like our key people, the people that we listen to for our ideal roles and our ideal recordings or, you know, the 80s and the early 90s. But it was a different world then yeah. from what it is now. What are you finding is, is different that's very specific to now? That's a couple of things. Um, uh, and to, sorry, try to be politically correct. One of the first things is I, I'm, I'm old-fashioned by nature, grew with a lot of old people. If anyone's ever heard me sing, my chest notes developed because I grew up singing with old people. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's just the way it is. And my teacher, Minyandan, uh, they're old school. So some of the rules that, she, she, that were matter-of-fact do, do not apply now. So the thing with the social media aspect is just crazy like you have to be on top of that that's something they didn't have to worry about because the publicity was handled by someone else mm. and I think that's what it is um, there's a the reverence for opera singers it's gone down mm -hmm. the, the 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 tools that are given to them like agents used to do your you know book your travel and all these kind of things so Mignon's world, you know, she didn't have to worry about putting out, to my understanding, she didn't have to worry about putting out her own material to get publicity for performance issues. You have a, you have a group of people that know what to do. When you're getting managed, they are managing you. So it's a different world than that. For me, I thought, uh, because I, I studied with people like Mignon or I had the privilege of working with people like Nico Castell, they were like, you need to make sure your music's tight. You need to make sure you're singing stylistically correct. You need to make sure your diction's okay and your expression's fine and you're singing the right repertoire. So that's what I thought I had to focus on. It's not just that. You do have to focus on that intensely and know what you're doing and feel secure and be prepared. But you need to be on top of this, the social media and the publicity stuff because no one else is going to do that for you. Mm. The branding. <clears throat> like, this is, this is for business. People yeah. that are doing. Um, I used one of my temp, temp jobs. I used to work in an ad agency that worked for like Dove and Johnson and Johnson and stuff. This is the kind of stuff they do. So I didn't. For me, I didn't know that was something I had to to start to work on. And for me, being a Midwesterner and being the eldest of the five kids, I'm from a big family. So even though I'm this opera singer and I think I have a big personality. This thing of look at me and self-promotion is not part of the the, the makeup, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Which is which is no one else's fault. This is just me, you know. Most people are like, well, well, bitch, you're in the wrong business. But <laughs> but you have to promote yourself. You need to be responsible for how you're being perceived. You need to be responsible for your brand. You need to take an active role in getting that information out. Um, and you you can't be lazy about it. And that's a do what I say, not what I do. I, <laughs> I'm so late on it. Like, who wants to see what coffee I'm drinking? I just feel so bad taking on these. I, usually I'll give pictures on my Instagram. There are pictures that came out cute or things I really liked at the time. I'm not taking, you know, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not about that life. But I got beautiful friends that know exactly what to do. And thus they're getting more attention and thus they're working even more there's more that i can do to promote myself more sometimes it's just people don't know don't know mm -hmm. you know so i have to take an active role in that and so i'm a little late to that i'm very late to that and uh that's something i'm working on but i would suggest you get on top of that and 
we need these kind of marketing courses. We need these. We need a class for social media management in the the vocal program because mm -hmm. that's where it is. Down to you uh, presenting yourself on YouTube videos or what have you. People sometimes they're not going by general auditions. They're going by the video. Mm -hmm. They're going by whatever persona you project on the Instagram. Sometimes they're going by how many followers you have, which I did. I just heard two people got it because got a got an engagement because they had a large a large following. Yeah. Like for me, my head's about to explode with someone that's younger. Like yo, and right. But for me, I'm just like, oh, you know. So I have to cultivate this. So the funny thing is, like this is. Not only have we seen every business go this direction, yeah. but we've seen Broadway go this direction. We've yep. seen Hollywood go this direction. Yep. Why people are surprised about it in opera confuses me. Yeah. Because we've seen all this stuff. Now, the, the plus side to what I do is that opera is about 15 years behind everybody else, yep. which means I can see what works for everything else. Yeah. And be like, here's how we applied this to small businesses. So right. the bar that we're sitting in right now, Gabbard's Beer Culture on 72nd Street, West 72nd, yeah. I, um, I used to do social media management for them mm -hmm. and did their stuff for about a year. And we, um, we applied certain things that work for beer bars, for New York, for neighborhood bars, for craft beer specifically, and then more importantly, their neighborhood branding and getting more people in the seats rather than looking at internet fame. Right. But all these things were tailored specifically to their brand in the now. Mm -hmm. The nice thing is we can look at the return on investment for a lot of how small businesses yeah. are doing things and how artists have worked in other fields and can now apply that to opera. So the plus side is we're not flailing around in the dark. Mm -hmm. There's actually really good roadmaps to, yeah. to follow. Yeah. It's just a matter of realizing that we have to do that in opera now. Everything is behind and also with, with, it's part of the training as well. And I think um, that's because we are a conservative art form. Mm, like mm -hmm. we do, we, 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 I'm, I'm taking the contemporary art, but even the way we learn contemporary work or newer pieces, this is an art form that's based on centuries of, of repertoire. Yeah. So we have to be intense with studying this repertoire and the intentions of the composers and all these other things. And then our, the actual mechanism that's getting it out and singing, and then you have to add on the element, element of being that character or, or your song repertoire and your recital. We're not even, like, I'm not, there's, it's like my friends that are in musical theater, holy crap. I, it's such an intimidating thing for me to think about doing a, a, one of those, what is it, cats, cat calls? Yeah, the casting, casting calls, calls, the, the casting calls, it's just a full cattle call. You know, yeah, yeah. those cattle calls, and you are like person number who the hell cares, and you go in and you get to sing, if you're lucky, you get to sing seconds of music, and they're like in and out, they're like, yeah, I just went to the talk show, did the dance call, all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. But with this, which is one of the reasons why I went to this, which I didn't realize, this is the only part of me that's conservative, we're not talking about politics right now, but is that I do love that you have to be able to sing this mm. well. You have to know what you're doing. You have to understand how the music works, what the intentions are of the composer, and you're, you, you're taking that information in and you're pouring it out. It's, it's a very unique way of communicating, which is it's a very unique par part in the art form in itself. So we're doing all the concentration on that part. Our business did not work this this way where we had to also do this social media thing so I, I, I understand how we're behind 
But I think it's part of in the training, the formal training. Absolutely, and I totally agree with that. how they've adapted to that program. Yeah. And that's also the benefit of having people who are in the business, because I think another reason why some of our music programs across the country, and I don't want to get in trouble, suffer is that you have people that don't do it, but they're master scholars. Mm -hmm. So the master scholars are on point, and they're giving you everything you need on how the music works and how to get the music out. But when it's time to bring it to the stage, and get the information out to generate an audience to come to it, they have no clue. Right. And to be fair, the people that have done it for 30 and 40 and 50 years, they didn't have to do it. No, they definitely so didn't. They're, so someone else was doing but it, but it had to be done. Someone else was doing it. It's just the responsibility. Well, but in the, it was done, but it was in a totally different way. I yeah. mean, the way you publicize events or performances or the media coverage was was totally different yeah. and it was less immediate it was more planned it wasn't uh i mean now you've got you know you, you can immediately write a review from your cell phone before yeah. before curtain call you right. know um there's it's just a different it's it's, it's, it's immediate it's immediate it's immediate thing and, and, and i and i i'm not i wasn't trying to make excuses for it and, no no and i know i'm just saying like for me it was for me i'm i'm in the generation where it's like I also study with people from the generation, of the, from the great generation yeah. of singers where they're like, they are telling me exactly what I need on that stage, telling me exactly what I need to do to get that roll out. But they don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say I walk in that. You know, they're not prepared to go into an audition setting where the people are so young they don't know all the, the repertoire. Right. That's a new thing, too. Yeah. Um, they haven't experienced the thing where you might have directors that don't know the repertoire either, and they might be learning the opera off of liner notes. Right. They're used to working with people that are masters of their field, that love being in opera. They know what they're here to do. So it's like the reverence of what we do is we have to get over that. There, yeah. used, there used to be like a, a, oh, the opera singer or the, or the, the opera itself is the, some people, I, I say they mistakenly call it elitism because our art form is not elite. All of the greats are not the elite. We are the ones that got paid by the elite. You know what I mean? We are the poor people. Mozart wasn't elite. Mozart worked for the elite. You know? So people get it mixed up. The people that are bringing it and presenting it to you, we are the people. We are of the people. We are not the ones that are saying um, this, is an this is an exclusive thing. You know what I mean? So it's a different generation. Yeah. We have to get people to understand that this music is something that's awesome, that they would love it. So now we have to do more marketing. You know, I'm not, I can't just cultivate an audience for myself. I need to cultivate it for the genre, you know, yeah. for this medium. So that, it's just a different level of responsibilities that I don't think, you know, the people that I look up to had to do. The plus side is what I'm seeing where, where the publicity came down to whether it was management agencies or the houses covered all the publicity and now it a lot of it is falling on the shoulders of you yeah. the singer the plus side is when you're benefiting yourself you're benefiting the art form in general yep. the perpetuating the art form is coming from the singers now yep. which a lot of people dislike uh, i i actually really like it because never have singers been more accessible than right now i never i i am loving it too because if you feel one of the wonderful things about this is that if you feel that you are not performing as much as you would like, you I see people building their own opera companies, mm -hmm. and then or bringing it to the people. You make an awesome video recording, 
And you put that shit on YouTube. You don't have to ask permission. Yeah. You put it out so that the people see you directly. So I don't need a middleman. I don't need to, you know, so that part is excellent. Amen. And that is actually yeah. what we need to do. You, you can get on YouTube and if you feel frustrated, you're not getting enough performance opportunities. Coach your ass off, get your repertoire tight and get on that video and, and create show your it. shit and create that, 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 that thing. And also, if you feel bad, you can say, you know, if I feel like I, I do this characterization, I, I do justice to this, or I have an understanding of Mahler, or I have a connection to this, I gotta get this message out. Think of it this way, you owe it to our, what we do, to our art form, and you owe it to the public to give it to them. Mm -hmm. So put it on a videotape, and put that shit on YouTube, and just go directly to it. It gives you, if you feel hopeless, if you feel like someone that's slipping through the cracks, that's a wonderful, to me, that's one of the best things about where we are now. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, fine, I'll take it to the people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Make sure you're tired. <laughs> Don't come in singing flat and everything. Right, right, <laughs> right. Because that's going to last forever. You still have to be up to professional you know, standards. You still have to be up to standards. You know, yeah, get your yeah. stuff tight. But... Put but you can create videos. those opportunities you, you yourself. You don't have to wait for someone to tell you to do it. You know, even there was even a procedure for us to do demos and stuff, and now you could just freaking do it. Or, or sometimes you can even do it at home. Like I thought, oh well, do I have to have a recital and record? No, no, no. You get somebody that knows what to do with the proper recording device. You could do it. You could do it in a lesson. You could do what have you. Just let them have a snippet of what you do, mm -hmm. because here that's where they're going first. They're not going to just general auditions. Sometimes that's costly to opera houses to go all over the world mm -hmm. to hear auditions. They're going to the internet for it. Um, if you have a smaller opera company, it makes sense that you would go to someone that has a huge following. Because that's, that's what Hollywood does. Right. That's what Hollywood does. That's why the actors are on there like, I don't want to do this shit. Josh Brolin is one of the best actors of his generation. He is on Instagram living his best life. I don't think when I watch, uh, what is it, No Good, No Country for, for, for Good Old Men, men no, yeah. for, you know, I didn't just slaughter that, sorry Cohen Brothers, but um, I don't think he was like, when I, when I aced this role, this, and he did an amazing job and I said, oh, let me get on Instagram or Facebook, he doesn't come off as that, but yeah. he's on Instagram, yeah. living his best life, come on Thanos, come on, yeah. you know, because you have to. Yeah. You know, I don't imagine there's a lot of, you know, I don't think Robert De Niro going to do it, but who the hell knows? If he is, I'm going to be a fan, you know? Right. But now you have, you have to have a presence online, and, that, and, and, and the thing to watch is what Hollywood's doing and what musical theater do. We, we are behind, mm -hmm. behind on that. And, and I'm one of those people that kind of resist. I'm like, all right, I want the potato chips. <laughs> yeah, I know they're going to film me. And I'm gonna look bloated as hell, but I really want these potato chips right now. But sometimes, you know, you gotta be like beauty first. <laughs> you know, that's something I wanna thought about first. You know, I, uh, you gotta look great. You know, I, I bumped into, I saw uh, uh, Miss Garancha. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my facial expression. She was hot. Yeah. She's yeah. hot. She's gorgeous. I know she's had, she's had a kid. Maybe she has a couple kids. I don't know. She looks amazing. Yeah. You know, uh, Miss Grace looks amazing. So the time for like, I'm coming in here in my sweatpants and my, you know, <laughs> let me sing is a no. Although if you got a voice like Dolores Logic, do whatever you want. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I will fight for her. I am a stand for Miss Logic. She sings your face off 
blow the doors off. She could do it now. So I make exceptions for that. But now they want us, you know, we got to look, you know, we got to look good. Got to look HD proof, you know, mm-hmm. proof, you know. But this is a good and a bad thing, you know. This is actually an excellent thing. I have people, when I travel, I have gigs around the country. People are like, oh, I just saw, you know, La Traviata on the Indie HD. There are people that are going to the opera like, you know, like it wasn't part of the thing. They're going to it like they're going to the movies. That's yeah. an excellent yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. That's an excellent thing. And some people who never would have even thought of it, they're going there, yep. you know? So that that's the good, that's an excellent part. So I think it's it's accessible. You have more, I feel like you have more control. I agree. You know? Yeah. It seems like less, but really when you're engaged, it's more. Yeah. It's just more work. That's, now, yeah. Uh, and we don't always want to do more work. But when it behooves I'm us. walking down the street. See, you, I'll never be that girl that's on Twitter. It's like, I'm walking down the street. No one cares. You know, well, it's just that I've been conditioned to. You know, I got my sister who's like, who cares? You know, <laughs> they're really like, whatever, Christy, who cares? My nephews don't care. My niece, don't, they're like, whatever, you know. So I just assume no one, no one cares. But then when I look at Nadine Sierra, she's figured it out. She's stunning. Every picture's gorgeous. She knows what to do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta step my game. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely use her feed when doing consulting and yeah, and teaching at Yaps. As as you know, it's a I, her feed is fantastic. It's she's so on all the time on that thing. Um, someone that's not as on that's just amazing. And I and I know we're not supposed to plug other voice types that are similar to ours, but like Janae Bridges, mm-hmm. kicking ass all over the world. Yeah. She's got the right idea, too. Yeah. Like, they are stunning, and they know what to do. Yeah. And I think it's like, I, I think we kind of have to plan it now. I was wondering when people say, oh, taking over, um, when they're taking over. Doing an like, Instagram takeover. Yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah. takeover stuff. I didn't know, like, I think I told you before, it's like, I didn't know, like, that's kind of like, that's planned out. I'm like, are you taking all these pictures? Are you freaking me? Like, yeah. It's planned out, yep. you know? Yep. I was like, oh, shit, that's work. I gotta do organization. I gotta do all this. But it has to be done, and it and it makes a difference. Yeah. It just looks so polished, and like they're ready to go. Yeah. And people are gonna cast that because they're also trying to get seats in that chair, you know. Oh hell yeah. You know. So when you look at it practically like that, you gotta build a bridge. Don't whine like me, kids. <laughs> don't whine. Don't whine with me, like me. Okay. Don't don't be me. Just yeah. You know, say your stuff. Say your stuff. Learn how to do this shit right now. (laughs) Well, we got to wrap up here because they're going to kick us out sooner or later. Yeah. Because we have this whole floor cordoned off right now. Um, You made me drink so I can talk all day. (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on. We could easily kill three hours between the two of us without without question. Giving me that opportunity at all. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Best of best of luck with uh, with Marnie and all the uh, the upcoming stuff and you know. Hope that Miss Graves doesn't get the security to take me out. Right, right. Somebody You're like, no, I'm supposed to be here. Just walk around with that that Met ID badge just in her. front of your face all the time. I'm supposed I to be here. I'm supposed to. She doesn't know. I love her so much. I called my dad as soon as I got it. He was like, oh, you did? You hugged her? It's like, yes, dad, but it was like jailbait kind of hug. <laughs> like, you might have to bail me out kind of hug. It's just, she smelled great. <laughs> Coming to you straight from the source, ladies and gentlemen, Denise Gray smells great. For more information about today's guest, visit our website at operabizpodcast.com. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our show with new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can find me directly on Instagram at thebeardandlens, and the podcast Instagram is at operabiz. Thanks for listening to the Opera Biz podcast.